It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is February 2nd, 2021. On the show today, crossover edition Big Ten Ben, Ben Stevens, and I discuss which conference is the best in college basketball, the Big Ten or the Big 12. We kind of compare teams, contrast teams, the top seven in the Big 12 against the top kind of seven in the Big Ten as well. So a really fun conversation with uh, Ben Stevens. The recaps of the games that are happening, kind of giving my thoughts on those, will be on Wednesday. So I'll have my thoughts on the OU-Texas Tech game, as well as the three Big 12 games happening on Tuesday night tonight. So I will have all my reaction to those on Wednesday. Just want to let you guys know that's coming up there. But all right, on my conversation with Ben Stevens, it was a fun one. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, cool. We'll go in three, two, and one. On the Locked On Big 12 and Big 10 podcast today, it is a crossover edition. Ben Stevens joins me. I am Josh Neighbors. Ben, we have to embrace debate today. We're going to decide. Well, maybe not decide, but we're going to discuss at least. Who is the best college basketball conference in America? Is it the Big 10 or the Big 12? Josh, this is a wonderful time, and I think this is the power of the Locked On Podcast Network's college channel. We have the two best conferences, we can at least say that, in all of college basketball, in the Big Ten, in the Big 12, who is the best that is up for debate. We have some strength at the top in the Big 12. We have some great depth all throughout the Big Ten Conference, and I just think we should set the stage now and say, let's not tear each other down. Let's Mm. highlight each other's best qualities to really debate this topic of who is the best conference in all of college basketball. I look forward to a thoughtful engaging debate with you today josh neighbors yes i agree with you i am not here to tear down the big 10 and i was so skeptical of the big 10 last year i love it this year i think it's an awesome deep conference that has so many interesting storylines and so we're going to kind of book what what a big 10 big 12 challenge would look like later on but we're going to do this by label i think that's the best way to do it is look at the conference by label because let's be honest here i mean full disclosure we all know this there are more teams in the Big, uh, the, uh, the Big Ten and the Big 12, ironically, despite the names. How does that make sense, Josh? What's good with conference realignment nowadays, huh? College sports, nothing makes sense. So I guess it's par for the course when it comes to that. But And, and look, let's be honest. The Big Ten, or the Big 12, rather, is a seven-team league. It is a has and has-nots league. You mentioned the, the depth of the Big Ten, so I think that's kind of where, you know, where it differs. But let's start at the top here. And I think that's a great place to go, whereas teams that we know can make the Final Four. I believe each conference has one. In my opinion, it, well, Baylor is the obvious one for the Big 12. The Big 10, Illinois is the team to me that I watch them and I say, I know you can make the Final Four. The results, mixed, but I know they can. I appreciate this perspective that you bring to this because I think a lot of people would look at the Big Ten Conference as it stands right now, despite being paused currently, would highlight Michigan, the number four mm. team in the country, the third team in Ken Palm's efficiency rankings, and say they are probably best suited to make the Final Four. But I said from the start of the Big Ten basketball season, even early on, and I still feel this way right now in my heart of hearts, that Illinois is the team best suited to make a deep run in March Madness, mainly because they have two components that I think every great 
basketball tournament team has, and that's an outstanding guard that can create and score at will and a big man down low that can really control things in the post. And I highlight Io DeSumo for Illinois, the guard that can really get what he wants and take over a game at times. And then Kofi Coburn down on the block, 7'1", 285, 290. He's the big fella down there. He can dominate a game and really add that post presence. When you have that dynamic duo that I think is one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the entire country, that's a team to me that seems best suited to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament to be the team out of the Big Ten Conference that could be a Final Four team when all is said and done. Right, and the one thing about Illinois that is interesting, and I think Baylor kind of exposed this, is that they handled Ao Desumu physically, and that was the challenge. The Baylor is just—I mean, they're the monster, and, and they and Gonzaga are on their own. And I and I do think it's a legitimate great game between those two teams. I do not think Gonzaga is far and away better. But for Illinois, when that happens to Desumu, Trent Frazier to me has to be the guy because he's that other dynamic guard, and he is a player that can legitimately get wherever he wants to on the floor because of his quickness. And so he's a guy who can give you 25 in a, in a, in a game where DeSumo goes three of 10. And so for me, he's the guy that's going to have to be the Batman or the Robin rather to, to DeSumo's Batman, I think, in terms of guard play. And Trent Frazier's three-point shot has improved this year. He provides that leadership experience for really all of the Illinois roster. And they have some great depth as well. They have two mm-hmm. very talented freshmen in uh, what's his name? Adam Miller. There we go. I was going to say Andre Miller, but that's Andre Curbelo, who's their playmaking right. freshman yes. off the bench who can really facilitate facilitate things. And I think as we've seen throughout the stretch of Big Ten play, when Andre Curbelo comes off the bench and mm-hmm. plays with Io Desumu and allows Io to be the off-ball guard to really create his own offense, I think that's also a pretty versatile rotation that brad underwood can put in there they have georgie ben benoshvili off the bench as well who can give them kind of that big man stretch the floor kind of guy so i do believe illinois has great depth but i love baylor and i've watched so much of college basketball this year outside of the big 10 conference and the baylor bears are truly the second best team in the country just a notch behind gonzaga because i think we all agree the zags are the best team in the country and probably the favorites to go through the ncaa basketball tournament and come down as national champions but baylor has one of the best players in all the country, in my opinion, Jared Butler, probably the best two-way player in the entire country. And the depth they have on the wings and at the guard position is truly outstanding. And they're such a fun team to watch that really does it on both sides of the floor. They're third in Ken Palm's efficiency rankings in both offense and defense. It doesn't get much better than that. Even Gonzaga is not higher than that. Well, the scoring margin too. I mean, they're outscoring teams by 25 points and it's February and they're midway through conference play, right? Their ability to take a player like Sharif Cooper out of the game. And that first half was close, but that's what Baylor does. They wear on you. It's like they're a boxer that just leans on you. It's Tyson Fury. If you guys, anybody's a boxman leans on you, makes you feel his weight. And in the second half, it's an avalanche. We saw it against Oklahoma state when they were down, we saw it, uh, you know, against KU, they lean on him pretty good. And that's what just what they do. And I think it's the most impressive thing about it is that they can overcome bad scoring nights. They're one of the teams that says, all right, we'll, we'll shoot 31% from three and we'll still beat you by 12. And that is a value that not many teams can do. I mean, I don't even think Gonzaga can say that, right? Like, they, I mean, they've got so many weapons, but you know, Gonzaga is not playing any 60, you know, 65, you know, 60 games. And mm-hmm. if, if they have a bad shooting night against a team like Baylor, they're not going to win. It's just, it's, that's how it's going to be. So yeah, I think Baylor is the class of all these teams. I think Baylor uh, – I can't remember a time when we had two teams that were this good in Gonzaga yeah. and Baylor. Like, when was – you know, sometimes there's a one, right, Villanova 2017. Um, but is, has there ever been two where it's, you know, you're, these two teams are just a class above? No. 
I, I, I can't yeah. remember a time. I mean, yeah. you look at the likes of like a 2012 Kentucky, who was a far superior team through the rest of college basketball, but to have two that have a distinguishing factor. And I think Michigan would give Baylor a good game and we'll discuss mm-hmm. some of those matchups a little bit later, but I would still lean in the favor of the Baylor bears who have won all of their games this year. And only two of them have been decided by single digits. Even that Oklahoma state game. And now two weekends ago when they were trailing for a good majority of that game, probably 28, 30 minutes deep into that second half, then they turned it on and they won by double digits, won by 15 or 16 or whatever it was. So I think between Baylor and Gonzaga, there is a clear upper echelon right now in college basketball. You never know how the NCAA tournament is going to go. It is really just such a fluky thing where if you're playing your best ball at the time and you catch somebody on one night, does that mean it takes away from their entire historic season? No, but you might not win a national championship. That's just how things are. But heading in to March Madness, it's clearly Gonzaga and Baylor at the top and everybody kind of nipping at their heels trying to catch them. So those are the teams that we think are for sure the teams that can make a Final Four, the teams that we think best suited out of our conferences for the big 12. Of course it is Baylor for the big 10 still in my mind. And I'm glad you think the same way, Illinois. Now let's talk about teams that we think, and if they really started playing good basketball as they are right now, could be final four teams by the time we get to early April mm-hmm. for the big 10 conference. That's Michigan number four team in the country. Who's currently on pause. Only one blemish so far this year, a loss to Minnesota, but then Michigan showed their resolve bounced back and have played some great defense and they are really good on the wings and their ability to rotate. They provide energy. Juwan Howard has them going and they've had some transfers in Mike Smith from Columbia and Shawnee Brown, who have really provided some great experience because that was a big question mark. What would Michigan return? We knew Xavier Simpson was gone. We knew John Teske was gone. How would they fill those gaps we've seen it in the talented freshman and hunter dickinson down low isaiah livers has elevated his game from his junior season and franz wagner in a lot of people's minds might be the best player out of the big 10 conference that can translate immediately to the nba which is not necessarily what you would think going into this year with the likes of io DeSumo and luca garza mm-hmm. and trace jackson right. davis so michigan might be that team in the big 10 conference right outside of illinois that is still pretty clearly if they're playing great basketball a final four contender who do you think that team is from the big 12 it's got to be texas and I think there is some, it's funny because the coaching thing here is weird with Shaka smart. There's some hesitance because it's just been this process at Texas where the success has not been there. The talent has been there. I think people are afraid to pull the trigger on Juwan Howard just because it's new and fresh. Right. I mean, there is a sense there that it's okay. We know Juwan has assembled this awesome team. I like the fact that they bounce back in tough conferences like these. How often do we see one loss turn into two, turn into three losses in four games, stuff like that. And the bounce back, that shows maturity, that shows an ability to refocus and just say, hey, it's life in this league, right? We got to get on to the next one. And two impressive wins. Uh, you know, Maryland, the best nine and eight team in the country, right? Uh, you know, they, they go and they beat them by 24. And then uh, also they beat Purdue by 17 on the road. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're right. I think they're showing all the right signs of being that team. Texas is just so deep, the guard depth. They got three guys and go for 20 on any night. Matt Coleman, Andrew Jones, then Courtney Ramey. Those three guys, uh, just they bring it. And then on, on the interior, you know, you got guys like Jericho Sims and Kai Jones. I mean, they are a complete basketball team. And the key for them is I don't know how COVID affected them. So I really don't know if this game we're going to see tonight against Baylor is going to be a good indicator just because, I mean, Shaka talked about, like, he seems to be in a different state of mind. He said that COVID made him realize what was important in life, which means he was really sick, like very, very sick. And they were down to eight scholarship guys against OU. So if you listen to this and you watch, you know, you go and watch that Baylor Texas game, give them some time because they are not at full strength. Uh, and so, but, but at full strength, they've got good guard play. They can control the glass. They make teams, you know, teams to worry about them. They can push, they can get good looks at, for three from multiple guys. So they're balanced. 
is what I can say. And I can't always say I felt that way about shock smart teams. I actually had season tickets to VCU when he was there and his teams were balanced at times, but because of their pace, they sometimes got themselves in a tizzy and this team seems more controlled. All right. More from my conversation with Ben Stevens in just a second, but first a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the best place to find affordable parts for your car or truck. RockAuto.com is a family-run business. They have been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low, and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Also go check out Locked On Today, kind of like the Daily. It's a show that gets you going every single morning, 20 minutes, all the sports news you need. You can find it wherever you guys get your podcast. Once again, it's called Locked On Today. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, back to my conversation with Ben Stevens. For the listeners of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, this will be coming out on Wednesday, February yes. 3rd. So we'll know the result between Baylor and Texas. Ken Palm sees it right now as Baylor going on the road, staying perfect this year, winning by five. I would expect it to be a single-digit game. I do think Baylor comes out victorious on Tuesday night, but that's going to be so interesting to see. And you talk about the depth that Texas has, especially at the guard position, four players averaging double figures right now. Mm-hmm. A guy you didn't even mention, and I don't think this was a slight to him by any means, but Greg Brown, they're leading yeah, yeah, no. that forward spot. The fr- I mean, yeah. They really have so much depth, and that is truly something that will benefit you in March. That's really when we're talking about these teams that we think can make runs to the Final Four and are actual viable options to do so. The depth is something we will preach across the board. You look at Illinois, of course, Baylor has it. Texas has it, certainly at the guard play, and even with some of their big men down low. I think Michigan is really starting to get that. And it was interesting to see this year because we thought it would come from the transfer market, and they have come and done exactly what they needed to do in Ann Arbor. And Jawan Howard highlighted, how would we respond to that Minnesota loss? How would Michigan Mm -hmm. be able to bounce back? Because if you remember... Early last year in the non-conference tournament play, Michigan started out and lit the world on fire. They moved all the way up to number four in the country. They had done some things in the Bahamas that left people like, holy crap, this Michigan team is for real. Then they got knocked off, never were able to really find their footing later in that year throughout the home stretch of Big Ten play. It seems, and we'll wait to see how they respond from their COVID pause, because when they come back, they have four games. They start off against Illinois, then they have at Wisconsin, they have Rutgers at home, and then at Ohio State. So it will be very telling of how Michigan is able to respond. But so far, we've seen some resilience from this Michigan team. What's our next category up here, Josh Neighbors? What are we moving to next? Our next category is the team that can make the run. I, but it's common, you know, comma, but dot, dot, dot. I mean, the issues here for both these teams, we've got Iowa and Texas Tech. Let's start with Iowa. The book's out, right? They can score. They just can't stop you from scoring. And that is, that is the issue that they have. Um, my one curiosity is this. In, in the NCAA tournament, 
if they were to face a team like a Baylor, I actually think it's a good matchup for them because Baylor lacks a little bit of size. So if you're just relentlessly pounding the ball inside of Luka Garza, that might work. A team like a West Virginia would give them some problems because I think Derek Culver's athleticism is going to give a guy like Luka Garza some issues. He's just, I mean, as good as he is, and as well-rounded and refined his basketball game is, there are guys who are just better athletes out there that can give you some issues. And so when things aren't working, we've seen some games where they haven't. Like Gonzaga dusted them, man. The game wasn't close. Game was not close. And Iowa, for as fun as they are to watch, they've got a lot of defensive issues. They do. And that's really been the concern all year going into Iowa right now. But the most recent two game losing streak, my main concern with the Hawkeyes is their ability to score, because when they got upset at home by Indiana, they only scored 69 points in the big game of Friday, the big Big Ten game of the year against Illinois. They only scored 75 points. And I know that doesn't that sounds like a lot for the rest of college basketball, but for an Iowa team that's used to being in the 80s and 90s, and if they can't get up to the 80s, that's going to be tough because they're not going to really limit teams to keep them in the 60s and the low 70s. So I've always said, if Iowa's putting up 85, 90 points, it doesn't matter if their defense is giving up 75 or 80, they're going to win that basketball game. But we've seen at times right now, especially down that home stretch in the game against Illinois, they struggle to score That's what I'm saying. There's like spurts, it feels like, where it's just they go – Ice cold, it seems. Is that is that correct? Yeah, and and that really doesn't fall on the shoulders of Luka Garza. That really falls on his supporting cast. And we saw Jordan Bohannon. He struggled in that game against Indiana, struggled for most of the game against Illinois. They didn't have C.J. Frederick, the talented sophomore shooter that was out of that game against the Illini. But if they can get C.J. Frederick, Jordan Bohannon, who's their leader at the point guard position, and Joe Wieskamp all playing well, that complimentary staff to Luka Garza makes this Iowa team one of the most lethal, especially on the offensive end, in the country. So as we talk about teams that could possibly make a run, if all of those things are firing on all of those cylinders and Iowa is able to limit teams to 72 points a game, Mm. yes, they are a Final Four contender, certainly a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament. It's just a matter of if all of those things are working all at the same time for Fran McCaffrey and company. Yeah, and he was frustrated after the loss the other night. I mean, he he was not happy. Um, It's interesting to watch them play just to see, you know, that offense had a kind of – it can like just go cold at times. And it's odd to see teams that are that good at scoring to have that. On the other side of the Big 12, Texas Tech. Uh, for my money, I'm kind of here now. I think Chris Beard's the best coach in the country. I, I'm not going to – I feel very confident in that. The way that he just seems to understand not only like the players, but like the game just kind of marrying those two things together, it's, it's just so refreshing to see. Like this guy is going to make a good coach wherever he goes. And the fact that he coached an ABA team. Right. You know, it's just w- weird things like that. He's able to bring collections of guys from all over the place. Right. This, these teams are always comprised of transfers, young guys, you know, some guys who have been there for a little while and is able to make them mix. They didn't get there last year, but this year you can tell and they've got the good ingredients. They've got Mac McClung, obviously can score at will. And they won a game where he actually didn't hit a field goal last night, which is pretty impressive. They've got the ability to defend on the perimeter. They do some pretty unique stuff when it comes to defense defensively. It's, it's not a pack line, man, which we see you know, can be a lot, very effective. It's just very much like we have athletes and we're going to just go one-on-one on the outside and press you. And I think it's hard to coach like that, but it works for them. And so we saw they're able to win games like that last night against Oklahoma. So I think they've got the keys. They've got guys, you know, like Terrence Shannon, who's just a long, very athletic player, Marco Santos Silva. They can get him going. They'll be in good shape. They do lack some size in the interior, which is a problem, but their athleticism and their variety of players that they have makes them dangerous it's just they've been up and down this year too kind of along the lines of of iowa 
I have enjoyed this crossover episode so far. Ben Stevens from Locked On Big Ten, Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. And I think we have been highlighting our team's strengths throughout the various conferences as we debate what is the best conference in all of college basketball. And I think we move on to our next category mm-hmm. now, the team that has surprised us in our respective leagues. For the Big Ten, that's Ohio State. And I know for the Big 12, it's a team you just mentioned, the Oklahoma Sooners, who up until Monday night against Texas Tech had knocked off three straight top 10 teams and seemed to be turning things around. Yeah, OU's on a heater. And, and even their game last night, the what's actually positive about this, they've lost Austin Reeves. He's, he's out with COVID right now. Uh, and I forget the other player they lost as well. But th- they played seven guys last night against Texas Tech. The importance of this stretch has been this. They have two guards named Emoja Gibson and Elijah Harkless. Those guys do not play, do not start normally. Um, Davion Harmon and Austin Reeves do. Those guys have gotten starting experience in the last couple of games. And they knocked off Alabama. And they got close to beating Texas Tech at home. That's so valuable because these guys are not going to be phased when it comes to the NCAA tournament because they've played in high leverage situations. Elijah Harkless hit one of the worst tough shots I've ever seen the other day. And he's he's a defensive player normally. And it's like, that's proven yourself. This guy has now hit a game-winning shot in an important game. And he's like the fourth option on the team that I would take. Brady Manick had COVID. He's coming back even better. But I've, I've had some negative thoughts about Long Kruger in the past. The dude just has them rolling. I mean, I was saying, look, if they can get three wins because they're in a seven-game stretch, it's crazy. Two or three wins, they'd be fine. They won the first three games. They beat Kansas, they beat Texas, and they beat Alabama. And I think Longuer does not does, does not get the respect that he he should be getting, just because we think of Buddy Heald teams and then Trey Young teams, where it yeah. just seemed to fall apart towards the back end and relied on you know one guy more so Trey Young's team, but you know relied on one guy. This is not that team. This is a very different Oklahoma team, and they have shocked us. I mean, I, two weeks ago, Ben, I was saying. They could make the tournament, could, being the operative word. Now it's just like, yeah, there's no <laughs> no debate there. Top 10 team now. And that, that's credit right. to Ron Kruger. In Oklahoma, I think some people are wondering if this success is sustainable. Mike, you mentioned a very tough stretch, but even if they mm-hmm. can pick up a couple wins in this Big 12 slate, I think it shows this Oklahoma team is a three seed, is a four seed by the time we get to the NCAA tournament. For the Big 10, that team has been Ohio State. And Joe Lenardi gifted us something on Tuesday morning as we discuss who is the best conference in all of college basketball because he put out his latest bracketology. Mm-hmm. And he had the Buckeyes on the two line as a two seed. And that was quite surprising. He had Ohio state as a two seed, but both Iowa and Illinois teams that we have said could make a run to the final four right. on that three line. And Ohio state has been one of the most pleasant surprises for me in the big 10 conference, really outside of Michigan reaching the success they have so far this season, because much like Michigan, Chris Holtman went to the transfer market and how would he be able to have this group mesh? It has worked so well this year. They have had their senior leadership in their guards position in CJ Walker and Dwayne Washington jr. But then they've added guys like Seth towns. And we knew that Abel Porter wasn't going be able to play but just assuming the transfer from Cal has really kind of led their offense and is a spark plug defensively and the main reason Ohio State has played so well they've won six of their last seven games is EJ Liddell the sophomore big man who has really elevated his game to a level I don't think any of us expected in his sophomore year he is playing so well he has scored 20 plus in four of the Buckeyes last five games and he's doing it against really some of the best competition in the Big Ten and the Buckeyes have gone through this stretch have knocked off some big teams they go on the road a weekend ago knock off Wisconsin they play a really tough Rutgers team a few weeks ago they get that win when people didn't expect Ohio State to pick up W's they kept doing so and this Ohio State team now on Thursday faces Iowa in a top 10 matchup I'm thrilled for that game because I cannot wait to see how they stack up with the best in the Big Ten Conference because I expect Ohio State here for the final month of the regular season to be a factor in the race for the Big Ten regular season crown yeah it's funny they always seem to have a six seven big guy like you know guys undersized you know Jared Sollinger was a little undersized who is the kid out of the brothers last year on Ohio State Totally drawing a Caleb. blank. 
Caleb and Andre Wesson. Yeah. Yeah. The Wessons. Right. And then now EJ Liddell, yep. I mean, he's, he's six, seven, right. You know, not, not a massive guy, but he's able to play athletic, a guy that I wish my Missouri Tigers had gotten. It was, it was down to Ohio state and Mizzou and he chose Ohio state, but yeah, I'm with you. And, and this has been an impressive effort. And they're one of those teams that it was just surged and, and, you know, teams like that get placed kind of behind in the beginning of the season. And it's not mm-hmm. surprising to see a guy, you know, get them to this point. So uh, I think there's some interesting teams we need to discuss here as we move down the teams that only lose to good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Purdue and Oklahoma state. So these are the teams that are, they'll score some big wins, but they've got a couple two point losses. You know, the teams that can't close out, you're like, just take that next step. Just, get, just please, you know, beat that number, you know, 18, whatever it is. But these are both very good basketball teams, and Purdue just cracked the top 25 this week. And there's a lot of good opportunities in both of these conferences for teams to lose to only very good teams. And Mm -hmm. both Purdue and Oklahoma State have done that so far this year. Purdue was on a four-game winning streak. They hosted number seven Maryland or Michigan at the time, rather, two Friday nights ago in Mackey Arena, a game that a lot of people said, ooh, can the Boilermakers play the spoiler here to Michigan? That was not the case. Michigan came out, rolled them in Mackey by 17. But I think that's not an indictment on Purdue. I think that's just a confirmation of where Michigan is this season in college basketball because Purdue bounced back and got a huge win over Minnesota this past week in Mackey Arena. And I think that goes to show that this Purdue team is really taking the steps in their evolution. They have some very young guards, very talented freshman guards that Matt Painter has started to play and allowed them to gain this experience throughout the early portion of the college basketball season. And it's paying dividends right now. When you look at Jaden Ivey when you look at Marcus Gillis and when you look at Brandon Newman who had a career high 29 points in that recent win over Minnesota on Saturday night and you pair them with Trevion Williams who I think is the most underappreciated big man in possibly all of college basketball but certainly in the Big Ten Conference just because of the conference that he plays in with guys like Luca Garza and Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana and Kofi Coburn from Illinois that Travion Williams doesn't get the respect he necessarily deserves being such a skilled man down on the post. So I really like this Purdue team. They are now in the top 25, like you mentioned, ranked 24th for the first time. Joe Lenardi has them as his sixth seed currently. I think they're a team that could be pesky as we get late into March, even in the Big Ten basketball tournament, and certainly in the great state of Indiana, where the NCAA tournament will be. And that will be a lot of fun for Boilermakers fans. I think they could be a team that we could see be a second weekend Sweet 16 Elite Eight team if they really start to can continue to play the way they have with these young guards really taking a step up. All right, one more pause for the cause before we wrap up our conversation here on today's Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. You guys know it's Super Bowl week, also the NBA, the NHL, college basketball, all of them are going on right now. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, for your 50% welcome bonus. Once again, Super Bowl, tons of props. Uh, you know, bet the line or whatever it is. It's actually it's Chiefs minus three right now, I believe. Anything you guys want to bet on, you guys can find it at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore once again go to betonline.ag create a free account and use that promo code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. 
Also, go check out the show Peacock and Williamson, another show from the Locked On Podcast Network. If you love pro football, this is the show for you. You can find it wherever you guys get your podcast. Once again, Peacock and Williamson, wherever you guys get your pods. All right, let's wrap up my conversation with Ben Stevens of the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. And this is where the depth of the conferences comes into play because Purdue is, you know, the team where, you know, they're not, I guess, you wouldn't say they're a top five team, you know, borderline, whatever it is, but okay. A little bit of a break. We're playing Purdue. Nah, you're going up against Travion Williams, who's averaging a double-double, right? And, and you know, Luke Garza is like, can I get a break? You know, Kofi Coburn's saying, can I get a break? Right? right. No. And that's why these conferences are so good. And Oklahoma State, on the flip side of that coin, is a team where, you know, you say, okay, we're playing Oklahoma State. Well, you're going to play one of the guys who's going to be, you know, either the first or the second pick in the NBA draft. And right. Cade Cunningham's the story. I know people talk about it all the time. Great supporting cast. But Cade Cunningham reminds me of D'Angelo Russell in the sense of mature beyond their years when they played. D'Angelo Russell was always under control like, like a senior when he played as a freshman at Ohio State. Cade Cunningham, while turnover numbers can be high, is not an excellent athlete, but he understands that and knows how to create his own shot, how to use his body you know, to, to open things up for him. A guy that will accumulate points throughout the game. You know, you, you, you'll kind of say, hey, oh my God, he's got 20. You know, at the end of the game, it doesn't feel like it. He's a good teammate. He is a player that's always improving. And I think as he is improved, the team has as well. So Mike Boynton's got a very good team and they're on probate. Well, they were supposed to not be able to play in the NCAA tournament this year because right. of COVID the NCAA is having a difficult time processing their appeal. So right now they're able to play. And uh, the reason why these two teams are kind of matched up is, you know, produce at number 24, Oklahoma state was the first team that was left out of the top 25. And they just beat mm-hmm. Arkansas as well. So a really good win. So these two teams are very much alike each other. And they actually, I think out of all the teams we have, they might be the most similar here. Yeah. And Oklahoma state, if you look at the coaches poll is ranked 24th and Purdue right. is the team that is receiving votes on the outside looking in. So I think two very similar teams. And I think we now go from teams that have surprised us and played so well to teams that have let us down, at least in the traditional sense so far this year throughout college basketball and the big 10 There's no other place to look but East Lansing, Michigan, and that Michigan State Spartans team. And although Kansas is still ranked in the top 25. I don't know why. I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that. I'm not sure why we're doing that. (laughs) Not sure why they're still ranked. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. And it's it's been a struggle. And you look at the metrics. I was looking at their efficiency ratings through Ken Palm. Nothing is very good. I mean, their overall metric ratings are okay. And I think Ken Palm still has them in his top 25 or top 30. But you look at some of the things that break it down, like effective field goal percentage, rebound percentage, two-point field goal percentage in the country. They're like in the hundreds, like 150 out of 353 teams in all of college basketball at the Division I level. So I'm very interested to hear your take on Bill Self and the Jayhawks and what hasn't worked after what seemed to be a very good start to the year. And they got some big wins early on in Big 12 play. I thought they were overcoming a lot of their issues earlier in the season. And that's what was encouraging. And it's funny because I've heard this mentioned and I totally agree with it. Like they're one scorer away from just being the best, you know, one of the three best teams in the country. Everybody on this team is meant to fall in with a main guy. Uh, and they don't have that guy. Marcus Garrett should not be playing point guard. They, you know, he can't be himself defensively. He has to handle the ball and initiate the offense. Oshai Abaji has not taken on that scoring role consistently enough. Christian Brown is just, like the roller coaster that the, nobody does eight for 10 and then zero for eight the next night, like Christian Brown does this team. Also important note here from Jesse Newell from the K- Casey star brings us up. He says that November and December, eight games opponents against uh, KU shot 29% from three from January, uh, all of January opponents shot 42%. So you can look at that and say, 
are they defending three point line? Well, I think they are teams are just nailing threes against them, but look, they're playing elite competition. So you could say that that number is probably to go down. Well, they're playing good teams and they're getting beat. So that's the issue to me. And also I don't know, they can mix up the lineups all they want to. You're not going to find a pure scorer anywhere. So as good as they are on defense, they're still pretty decent defensive team. There's just not going to be any way they can score consistently. And I thought Jalen Wilson was going to be that guy. I love Jalen Wilson. Young guy. It's a lot to put on a freshman to be that kid, to be that scorer, especially guys kind of more of an off ball player. So they have a whole host of issues, but chief among them is, is trying to find a score. Chief among them for Michigan state right now is trying to find a leader because they do not have it. And Tom Izzo has been racking his brain to try to find somebody. And he said in all of his years as the coach at the helm of the Spartans basketball program in East Lansing, that this is the most lack of leadership he's had this deep into a season. And they had some guys that you thought, yes, Xavier Tillman was gone. Cassius Winston, of course, a staple of that program was gone, but Aaron Henry has been there for a while. Rocket Watts, only mm. a sophomore, but played last year as Michigan state got a share of the big 10 regular season crown. They're throwing in a, transfer and Joey Hauser they had the pieces in place and early on I think they were a trendy pick for a lot of people that looked at the likes of Iowa and Illinois early on in the year and Wisconsin returning all their depth and experience and still said Michigan State if they can put it together still might be the team that we think is best suited coming out of the Big Ten Conference that has not been the case right now Michigan State has lost three straight games they're coming off a COVID pause trying to get their sea legs back it doesn't get any easier for them Last night on Tuesday night, I think they get stomped by Iowa. Iowa's a 10.5-point favorite. I would say lay the points and take the Hawkeyes. And they need to turn things around right now because they have Nebraska this weekend, which should be a for-sure win. But then other than that, that final eight games of the Big Ten season, Ken Palm has them right now predicted to lose all eight of those, and they will for sure be on the outside looking in, snapping their 22-year streak of making it to the NCAA tournament. If they don't turn it around and turn it around quick, there's no shot for them. And right now they need to find some offense. It's been very stagnant and stale even before the COVID pause. So they need to kind of figure things out quickly. Can Tom Izzo do that? He's one of the legendary coaches in all of college basketball. History would say yes, but is it too little too late with all they've already lost so far this year? Yeah, and that's the question for a lot of these teams, right? Duke, uh, another example. UNC, they're playing better now. Kentucky, Kansas, you know, Michigan State, the Blue Bloods, it's not their year. And I think a lot of that also, too, is, is some of the, the new blood in terms of coaching is pushing them out. Uh, I think you're seeing, in, in, especially in the, in the Big 12, Scott Drew is not super you know, young, but a guy that is just, he's figured it out, right? You know, he's got a great system that works. Shaka Smart, somebody else, you know, is just kind of pushing them out. Chris Beard, another, per, you know, another coach. And I think it's just, it can be hard. And seasons like this on those older coaches, they're creatures of habit. And so they're not as used to having to maybe adapt to a challenge like this, especially at a blue blood school where it's just process, right? You know, it's, you know, reload, restock, good transfer, maybe let's go. And, and you have a, a steady turnover, basically. It's not happening for you this year, a lot of those teams, whether it be rosters or whether it be, you know, COVID or just a mixture of both it's odd that some of the more established coaches are struggling in this season. I think that's one of the weird storylines that we're not really hitting on, but last category, Ben, this is, this is the wild card category. Wisconsin, you have Wisconsin. I put uh, West Virginia for the, the big 12. I want to talk about Wisconsin because the theory I've heard floated recently is, are they too old? I mean, their entire starting roster could rent a car like at this point in time. Right. right. And they're starting guys, you know, all five starters, I believe are, are seniors. Um, and, and what's interesting about them is, I think there's something to that, right? Everything just kind of becomes old hat. You're running the same, you know, kind of same stuff. You're a little predictable. Brad Davis is trying to take charges like he's been doing for a decade at Wisconsin. You know, what's up with Wisconsin right now? Because we know they have some ability. You know, their goal is to squeeze the light out of basketball game. It's horrible basketball to watch. 
but it's not working in a way that it has worked in the past. Yeah, they returned all five starters from last year's team that finished the Big Ten regular season winning eight straight games and claiming a share of that Big Ten crown. So everybody's like, wow, we get all that experience back. This is that Wisconsin team that should rely on that experience in this weird COVID basketball season and be able to be successful. And early on, they were. And Demetri Trice was a big reason for that, providing a lot of scoring, leading them at the point guard position. Recently, they've lost two of their three games. And really, it's the defense for me because we know that that's what they want to do. They still have a top 10 defense in terms of efficiency in all of the country. Still leading the Big Ten in opponents' points per game. But you just saw on Saturday what Penn State was able to do to that Wisconsin team, get them into a game that Wisconsin doesn't want to be in, 81-71. to 71. Penn State scoring 81 points, the only opponent that has scored more than 80 against Wisconsin this year. So that's really where I look to. They're never going to do anything that's going to be sexy, right? It's not going to be flashy. But if they can take the game down to the pace they want to, and they have the 323rd slowest pace in all of the Awful. country. There are 353 basketball teams that play Division One basketball. Wisconsin is 323 in adjusted tempo. It is Awful. very, very slow. But they don't turn the ball over. They keep it in their possession. They've been focusing a little bit too much on the three-point shot, if you ask me. I think they need to build from the outside in and they're, or excuse me, from the inside out and then start to find the three-point shot, allow guys like Nate Reavers to spread the floor. They still have the tools in place, and that's why I am not so concerned about them. They could be a team that makes a deep run in March if that experience takes hold, or they could be a team that gets bounced in the first round. They are that kind of wild card right now, and that's why they're in this category. Well, you have to attack the rim if you want to shoot threes effectively. That's my belief. Just because you have to make teams think you're a threat there. And I think they lack the athleticism, honestly, to have guys, you know, get to the rim and score. Especially if you have Davis and you know, handling the ball. Not a guy that's just going to be able to attack the rim at will and open things up. And so that's why teams like Alabama have succeeded, right? They're athletic enough to where they can attack the rim and also open up shots. It's threes and layups. There's not going to be any, you know, contested pull-up jumpers with, with that team. Now – Wisconsin's going to have to find a way to work around that because they just don't have that kind of athleticism. But finding ways to get guys open is, is important for them. West Virginia is mine from the Big 12. The talent is what sticks out. Deuce McBride's one of the best guards in the country. And also they got Derek Culver, who should be – he's recovering from COVID, so he's, he's not – you know he's very much Joel Embiid out of shape. It's, it's kind of what reminds you. You're like, oh, my God, those two possessions were amazing. And now he, he, it's four on five on offense because he's not back you know, on the end, other end yet. So – for them, it's getting into full shape. I also think playing too many guys can be a detriment sometimes. Like I think finding your rotation, there is a lot of value to that. And so I think West Virginia playing so many guys and trying to keep bodies fresh, they give up a lot of points against good teams. They just do. And so to me, it's at some point, I know you want to you know press teams and, and, and play hard and stuff, but if, if you guys are going up and down, you know, you're, you're inviting a whole lot of close 80 you know games that are going to be in the 80s and they can win some of them, but also – there's no way to say like, this is a West Virginia game where they win now, by the same token, guess who gave Gonzaga the best game this year? West Virginia did uh, out of all the teams that have played them. They, they gave them a very good game. And Oscar Sheway, you know, is, was a preseason all American and has left the program. So I'm very fascinated by West Virginia. I don't know what to make of them. I know they've got a lot of ability and they got a lot of talent. I'm just curious as to why they can't put it all together and win like three straight games because it's one lot you know win one win one loss they beat texas tech last week then the saturday they lost to florida at home so both teams that will certainly be in the ncaa tournament field probably around that four or five seed line yeah. but those would be trendy picks i think if you were looking at them for your first upset pick mm -hmm. in that first round to have a good 13 seed taking on wisconsin and being like oh if this team can score 
watch out Badgers. And I think it'd be the same kind of thing. If you looked at that five twelve matchup, the very trendy upset pick right. against West Virginia, wherever they might be. So those are wild card teams. Have we decided Josh neighbors have locked on big 12, who is the best conference in college basketball? I feel like we've gone back and forth. And I think we can both say certainly that the big 10 and big 12 are the two best conferences in yes. all college basketball. I don't know if we've come to a. I think the Big Ten is more. The Big Ten is more depth, right? The Big Ten is more depth. They have more teams, but I mean, there are no Indianas, there are no Minnesotas in the Big Mm -hmm. in the Big Twelve, and and so that's that's a that is an argument that goes, I think, you know, pro Big Ten's way. Now, I would say that I am more confident in Texas and in uh, Baylor right now. You know, as much as I love Illinois, I think they can be a Final Four team. I, I know they can with their talent. Texas has shown me results that I can say, look, I know this team can, you know, with the way they play, they can do it. So I would say at the top, I'm more confident in the two teams, uh, uh, you know, two teams that, that the Big 12 has. But, I mean, the depth, you know, I'm not going to argue for TCU being good. They might have pushed Missouri last week, but TCU has been horrible. Kansas, I mean, Kansas State and, and Iowa State are unwatchable. They're absolutely unwatchable. It's been a, a tire fire. So I, I think the Big 12 gets the edge in because I, I think it's pretty even. Like this is, this is the thing is that I hate being the guy who's saying, oh, it's even. Right. You know, uh, I can't I can't yeah. go one or the other. But the depth, the depth argument is there for the Big Ten. And then the the strength, of the top argument is definitely there for the Big 12 in terms of those two top teams. 14 teams in the Big Ten, only 10 teams in the Big 12. That is confusing enough as we look at who is the best conference in college basketball. I think you bring up a great point about the strength at the top for the Big 12 and the depth overall for the Big Ten. And as we look at it for the NCAA tournament and Joe Lenardi's most recent bracketology, he has nine Big Ten teams in. He has seven Big 12 teams in. If you do the percentages there, that's 70% of the Big 12, which is a higher clip than the 64% if nine of the 14 Big Ten teams make it. But he does have two teams, including Maryland, who is the first team out of the tournament if the Terps were able to win some games they have some impressive wins all road wins in Big Ten play and even Penn State who's coming on very strong after their return from a COVID pause they won three of four he has them in his next four out Mm. if one of those teams were to go in the higher clip would go to the Big Ten but I think it's going to be two conferences through this final month of the regular season in college basketball that are going to dominate the storylines and I'm just happy we get to watch it frankly I know it's nice we actually get basketball you know it's it's been such a challenge this year and uh, these kids too, I don't think we talk about enough, like what they're going through. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Shaka Smart is kind of realizing it too. He's like, Oh my God, you know, we're trying to get basketball done. And there is this, you know, pandemic raging on. And so, you know, not to say coach K was right at the beginning of the season, but there's an element of what are we doing, but look, these kids want to play. And so, you know, I know it's challenging for them. Uh, you know, part of it is yes, they want to play, but also they're doing it for entertainment and for our enjoyment as well. So I think there is a certain amount of that that we really should appreciate these two conferences, yeah. especially this year. Like there's, I mean, I, I love when I can sit down every single night, uh, you know, I look at the schedule each week and say, okay, what do we got coming up? And I'm sure you're the same way too. You're like, oh, you know, nice matchup, basically three of the four, you know, nights of the week. It's, you know, it's not the weekend. So that's the, even fr- well, Friday night, the big 10, usually pretty good too. It's usually a pretty good game as well. So it's been awesome with that. It's been really excellent. Yesterday in the Big Ten Conference, we had four games featuring four of the six ranked teams in the country. You had a top six matchup between Texas and Baylor. That's a Tuesday night. That is how good these college basketball conferences are. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this crossover special with Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Big Ten, debating, discussing, and highlighting the strength of both of the conferences across the college basketball landscape. Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12, Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten, the strength of the Locked On Podcast Network's college channel. All right, that will do it for the show today. I want to thank Ben Stevens for giving us his time. That was a fun crossover. Make sure you guys go follow the show on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next time, stay safe.
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.